High Desert Word Center, how is everybody on this beautiful Thanksgiving Sunday morning? Praise God. This is absolutely one of the best days of the year. One of our favorite services around here. It's our Thanksgiving service. And who knows that we have plenty to be thankful for this year. Does anybody know that? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have a great time. Uh, of course, immediately following service, uh, we're going to uh, dig right into the food. We're going to have, uh, they'll give you instructions later on, but everybody's invited to stick around for Thanksgiving dinner with us. And and uh, even if you didn't bring something, we want you to be here with us today. So make sure you stick around and we're going to have a great big family celebration. Thanking the Lord for all of the great things that he's done in our lives. Amen. What an awesome day to be together. Let's go ahead and stand up uh, this morning. We're going to open things up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And then we're going to attempt to do a little bit of meet and greet time. I know it's a very tight fit today, but it's going to all work out. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're going to, of course, keep reminding ourselves that we want to be uh, in prayer for Israel and that the Lord is continuing to help them overcome uh, their current situation. We are definitely on side of God's people in Israel. Hey, we're going to take a few minutes this morning to do a little bit of meet and greet. And so it's tight, but let's find somebody, give them a nice high five, fist bump, handshake, or a nice great big hug. Just make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go.
and uh, you can make your way to your seats here. Uh, praise the Lord. We're going to get things uh, started with some announcements today. Did everybody get a little love this morning? You felt the love. That's what we're going for. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, a few, uh, I want to let you know, first of all, that there's no 6 p.m. service tonight. And so if you typically come uh, to Sunday nights or whatnot, uh, there won't be a service tonight. So just want to give you a heads up on that. And then I'm going to have Pastor Katie do some announcements here. But uh, we have a video for this coming Sunday, a week from today, is our Christmas came early party. And if you have never been, amen to one of our Christmas came early parties. Uh, it is just the time of your life. It's so fun. So uh, we want to give you some information on that. So the media team made a video. Go ahead, uh, Tim, and you can roll that beautiful footage. Thank you. Do you love Christmas? Are you sad that Christmas is not here yet? Well, the Family Life Ministry has the perfect opportunity for you. It's the HDWC Annual Christmas Came Early Party. It will be November 26th at 6 p.m. Bring one dozen cookies and make sure you wear your ugly Christmas sweater. Also, youth and adults bring a $5 gift and children bring a $1 gift. So stop crying because Christmas came early. Shots have been fired. <laughs> You'll find out later what I'm talking about anyway. Okay, well, I'm just going to get the secret out, okay? Because here, here's what happens. Any time that the media team gets to do something without Pastor Dave seeing it before we play it, they sneak things in. Oh, that's rebellion. Things wow. like <laughs> Colts hoodies when it's supposed to be ugly sweaters. <laughs> you know, because they, they, the media team, who are obviously not Colts fans, uh, think that the Colts hoodies are ugly. But there have also been, in, in years past, we do a, like a yearly... Uh, year in review kind of yearbook video thing uh, and the media team has snuck in just random weird pictures Amen. so I'm just telling you if you were doing something ridiculous at Harvest Fest I make no promises you know we got signs up that say we take your picture we'll make you famous just... don't worry <laughs> anyway it's a thing it's a family thing you know don't you and the rest of your family your blood relatives harass each other with weird pictures you should. Yeah. So what's the difference here? Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, let's do some announcements. Uh, the Enriched Food Pantry. Wave at me, Miss Leah Johnston. The Amen. Enriched Food Pantry at Midtown um, will need your help on Monday at 10 and 5. So tomorrow, mm -hmm. 10 and 5. They need your help. They're packing bags for Thanksgiving. It is at 800 Yucca. They need your help at 10 and 5 tomorrow. Raise your hand if you're able to go at 10 and 5 tomorrow. Okay, that's three of you. Come on, people. 10 and 5. All right, so that's four of you. If you are able to go to 800 Yucca tomorrow at 10 o'clock or at 5 o'clock, raise your hand. Okay, I've got six of you. There we go. Seven, seven of you. Seven, eight. All right. All right. Leah, you should have at minimum seven. The rest of you, you should feel bad and go. 
Anyway, uh, girls' night out at The Rock. Christmas for the ladies at The Rock. If you haven't been, it is ever so fun. It is $20 a person, and you can get tickets at rockchurch.com. It is on Saturday, December 2nd at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. The doors open at 4. So, ladies, it is a perfect time to go have a really great time with the ladies in your family, the ladies in your church family. It allows you to get ministered to before the Christmas season, and it gets your head on straight. You know, because some of us like Christmas shopping with our kids, and maybe we need some extra Jesus during that time, you know? (laughs) Anyway, this is a perfect time to go get your head on straight for Christmas so that you are helping to minister to your family and focus people on Jesus during Christmas. So if you haven't done that yet, find someone else to go with and make that happen. It is absolutely worth it. There you go. Also, start it in me. So Saturday, you're going to go get your head on straight for Christmas. And then Sunday, you're going to come to church with your whole family. And Sunday night, you're going to come to City Worship night started in me here at 6 o'clock Sunday night on December 3rd. So started in me will be right, right here, December 3rd for our 6 p.m. service. So it will be in place of our 6 p.m. service. Okay. Those of you who are not married yet and who want to be married Mm -hmm. or who are thinking about getting married or who are doing married things without being married. Anyway, those people... (laughs) You're coming to class with me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On December 10th, that Sunday night at six o'clock, we'll meet in Victory as well as um, Monday night. Mm-hmm. Childcare is provided. There you okay. Go. You don't have any excuses to not come. Okay. So Sunday night, Monday night, December 10th and 11th at six o'clock, we're going to have a premarital class and you can all come and we'll just all have a great, great time and get you some information on how to get married, how to be married, how to stay married. Desiree has a sign up sheet. Desiree has a sign up sheet. We want your information. Yes. So those of you who signed up the last time, you should have received a text message already. Um, But if you would like to sign up now, now's your time. So go ahead and get that done. Also, because it's Christmas, and because we think that you don't have enough to do, and because really we want you in church and we want to be family with you, we're doing another Christmas concert this year on yeah, December 15th. come on. Woo. Yeah. So Laura Cook, who is a stand-up comedian and <laughs> a musical artist, will be here and be able to sing and make us laugh and minister to us at Christmas. We'll get to worship together December 15th at 7 p.m. There is no cost for that. We will take an offering up for her to bless her as she traveled here uh, from Oklahoma. But we would love for you and your family and anyone else in your family who thinks, I'm not going to church. Well, that's fine. It's a Christmas thing. You're not going to church. You're going to a concert. It's fine. Just bring them on in. We'll get them saved. It's good. Um, also, don't forget that we're doing the tour, the toy, tour, toy drive. We're going on tour. We're going on tour for Greater Hope. Anyway, oh, yeah. Greater Hope Foundation has a big Christmas box at the information booth, and you can bring toys for their toy drive as well. We have always used it as an opportunity to allow our kids to bless others and to keep them focused on that for Christmas, so that we don't raise spoiled stinkers. We're working on that. But anyway, Toy Drive for Greater Hope is a great opportunity for that. If you are with us for the very first time, or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? 
I know. It's not awkward at all. There we go. Hi, friends. <laughs> first time, first time in a long time. We have some information for you. This lady in the green is Sabrina. She's going to give you some information about the church. If you fill out that little card and meet us at the information booth after service, we have a gift for you, and it also comes with free coffee. Amen. Hey, yes. whoa, come on. What um, and if I could, um, I saw him and now I don't see. Okay, um, just because we like to celebrate family. Uh, Mr. Don Beardshear, yeah, could you, you just wave at everyone? He is alive. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that you hate that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, we're just so glad that the Lord healed him this weekend and that he's alive. Yeah, so amen. if we could just praise the Lord together Thank for that, Jesus. it's a really big deal. Hallelujah. It's a big deal. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here today. Amen. Hallelujah. It is a day to give thanks. And everybody here has some things to give thanks for. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. We're getting ready to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. So I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up this morning. And she's going to be doing that. Uh, we want to let you know also that there's a self-service photo station over here. If after service you want to grab a family uh, a picture together, uh, that's self-service. But you can do that on your own. And today is also Mission Sunday. So Mrs. Pastor will give us an update on one of our missionaries also. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, you're far away. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to get a screen up here to see them back there. You know what I mean? All right. Well, today, as Pastor, as, uh, Pastor Dave said, it is both Mission Sunday and regular Church Ties and Offerings Sunday. And uh, the scripture we're going to use today is Matthew 28. I'm in the New King James. Uh, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And if it's for missions, make sure you mark plainly on your envelope. Uh, 18 through 20. And you're going to say, this is, a, this is an odd tithe and offering scripture, but it's not really. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. I'm going to give you a report today on Julius. And uh, Pastor Dave handed this to me. Wow, this this is going to shiver your timbers, man. Uh Julius and Ruth Marar are missionaries to India and Nepal. They are Indian uh, natives from India. They have dual citizenship with the United States and India. In America, they live in Riverside. So, uh, and they were here, I don't know, a couple months ago. And if you were here, then you got to, you got to uh, see Julius and Ruth. Great, great couple. They're awesome. But this is his, this is his newsletter. You got to hear this. Um, they were able to find uh, a tribe of the Kanar people that he has led them to of a thousand people. They're of another background of those from India. They speak a different language even though they're in India. They are a scheduled tribe, which means they're an original tribe like the Native Americans in the United States. But they suffer a lot of persecution. And in India, they have this class system. You know, you're either rich or poor, basically. And so they call the uh, the folks that are poor, they call them the low, the low class. And so they are considered low class uh, in India, this, this tribe is. They have little to eat. They suffer dis from discrimination. They live in hovels. And uh, despite all that, they're born again. 
and they love Jesus. And so they're full of the joy of the Lord. They're just as happy as they can be. So that's good news. Now listen to this. Um, through our the prayers of the people that support them and our financial support that we uh, send them, Ruth, the Lord laid on her heart to start a school for the children there, which I think is ex- so exciting. And so she's starting a school for the children. It's called uh, Peace Children's Home. It began in July. It operates in a one-room schoolhouse like I used to go to back in Maine when I was a little kid. <laughs> one-room school. Didn't know that, did you? It has 32 children in age from 3 to 15. They're all learning to uh, speak English um, and do basic skills and and things like that. So isn't that awesome that they're able to, to have a school for these children? I just love that. And on another thing, um, he says that there's a lot of rioting going on in, in uh, India there's a huge persecution of the Christians, and 70,000 Christians have been displaced in India, sent to the Himalayan mountain mountain region, the foothills of that. Over 200 churches have been burned in India, and uh, and uh, also they said that uh, they were able to go into those hills and rescue 22 girls ages 6 to 18 from being political uh, potential victims. I can talk of trafficking. So that's what they also do. They, they rescue uh, trafficked women and girls. So isn't that awesome? And our missions money has part in that. And so we may not, like, like Jesus said, the Great Commission, go into all the world. Well, we, you know, most of us can't physically go into all the world. We can go into the world that we know, our Barstow, our Yermo, our workplace, you know, our family. But to go to some of these places, uh, these other nations, but our money can and so those who do go, we provide them with the funds to go, and they do the work, and they do an awesome job. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's stand up. We're going to say our, our financial faith confession. La, la, la. And I will find it in my trusty Bible. What? Uh, the center bucket is for missions, and there's the tithes and offerings and tithes and offerings on either side. Okay, so here we go. Father, we come to As you in Jesus' name. What? I don't have that on here. I better turn around. And... I have three confessions and not the right one. Okay. La, la. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, Growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, it is Thanksgiving Sunday, but I hope you don't mind if we teach you a new song today. It's pretty simple, and it goes like this. A fire, a fire, a fall on us. I start a new revival. A fire, a fall. Let's sing that. A fire, 
fire fall on us and start a new revival fire fall on us if you want you can try to make your way to worship there's not much room up here but let's still let's worship the Lord together today and let's sing this new song let's try that
lift you on high today, Jesus. We just want to worship you. We're not even here to ask for anything this time, Lord. We're just here to thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've already done. We're coming to you today with gratitude, with gratefulness, with thanksgiving, Lord. You've already given us more than we have earned, more than we could ever even deserve, Jesus. And we know that it's by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, Lord, that you allow us to be a part of your family, that you allow us to come to you with our needs, that you allow us to come into your presence. It only has to be by your grace, Lord. And so we thank you today, Jesus. We thank you. And Lord, we want you to have your way in this service. Speak to us and tell us what we need to hear, Lord, not what we want to hear. And we want this to be all about you. We love you and we praise your holy holy name today, Lord. Have your way. Do what you want to do. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Can we give him some praise today? Amen. Isn't the Lord good this morning? Hallelujah. You can make your way to your seats today. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with the family of God. My favorite place to be is right here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into our message today. Who's excited to hear the word of God? Yeah, I know you're excited for the food later on, but let's get the bread of life for a few minutes. Who knows what I'm saying today? Amen. All right. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. You can kind of follow along with that the best that you can. And uh, and then we'll be uh, just getting into God's word for a few minutes today before we get into that food over there. It's going to be a great day. All right. So the title today is this. It's called The Importance of Thanksgiving. The Importance of Thanksgiving. And who knows that actually giving thanks legitimately is an important thing. You know that, right? It's not just something, you know, I heard somebody say it this way. It's kind of weird that we basically dedicate 364 days a year to complaining and one day to giving thanks. Well, shouldn't we basically designate 364, 365 days out of the year to giving thanks to God? Amen. Who knows that God's been a lot better to you and me than we deserve? Anybody? I mean, sometimes I sit there and think about it. I'm like, why? You are so good, Lord. I don't deserve this. I, I didn't earn any of this that you've given me and blessed me with. The miracles you've done. You healed me of cancer when I was a baby, Lord. I, I, I'm so grateful for all that God's done in my life. And again, it's not because I'm so good. It's because He is so good. You know that today, right? Amen. So Thanksgiving is not just some cute thing we do. It shouldn't just be a day that we eat turkey one day out of the year and, you know, say rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, God, you're good, amen. You know, it, it ought to be more than that. And so today we are going to be talking about the importance of giving thanks. And so I want to dig into this. We got three points that we're going to cover today and I want you to get these. And I believe that if we would take it seriously, uh, as we give thanks, it will please God. And it, it honestly, it will open the door to even more blessings in our life. But let's go ahead and dig into the word here today. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, follow along. Number one, un 
thankfulness, which I'm pretty sure isn't an actual word, but uh, anyway, unthankfulness, not being thankful is a sign of the end times. Preacher, shut up. No, I'm going to tell you it's in the Bible. And so today I'm telling you, number one, unthankfulness is legitimately and actually a sign of the end times. The Bible told us this. So let's look this morning at second Timothy chapter three, second Timothy chapter three. Who's excited for the Bible today? Amen. This is our daily bread. This is our manna. This is more important than anything else in this world. And so you know that over the past, I don't know, uh, seven weeks, I think it is, uh, at this point, we have pretty heavily been discussing the end times. And it's because we believe, you know, really for the last 2,000 years, it's been the end times since Jesus went back to heaven. But specifically over the last 100, 150 years, and then even more specifically, like the last 10 years, and then really directly, the last few years, uh, we have seen so many things the Bible prophesied about. And Jesus told us, when you begin to see these specific things taking place, lift your eyes to the skies, for your redemption draws nigh. And so we're seeing so many things just taking off like fireworks right now that the Bible said would happen. And if you are a born-again Christian, if you're living for Jesus... These are very exciting times to be alive. And we also know that on the other side of that coin, if you are not living for Jesus, if you are opposing him, this is a kind of scary time to be alive. And, and sometimes, you know, I'm not afraid to say that anymore because I've realized that sometimes you need a little bit of fear to get your act together. Anybody, you know, you would used to do dumb things when you were a kid. And then when you knew that mom found out about it, you quit doing it, right? Because you were afraid. And, uh, that's not the best reason for living in obedience to doing things the right way. But hey, I'll take what I can get. Amen. Sometimes I didn't get myself together till I had a little bit of fear in me. And uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. But Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I'm paying special attention to just a couple of words in here, but I think it would do us a lot of good to read this whole passage. And so here's what the Apostle Paul prophesied and predicted that the end of the world would look like. He said, this is how people will be behaving at the end of the world in the last days. All right. Second Timothy Chapter 3, starting at verse 1. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. We know that much. Verse 2, for people will love only themselves and their money. Have you seen anything like that ever happen? Amen. He says, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. And all the parents are like, yeah, amen, it's the end times because my kids are all like that. <laughs> well, hey, maybe you're like that to your parents too, adults. So, oh, I said it. Let's go. Uh, but look, he said they'd be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, unthankful. You mean being ungrateful is a sign of the end times? On a mass scale, yes, it is, according to what the Bible says. But I'm going to keep reading because this list is just so beautiful. Or as the teenagers at my house would say, Ew, that's cringe. Why are you talking about that? All right. So uh, he says they will consider nothing sacred. They will consider nothing is off limits. Nothing 
is sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others as in the internet. Paul didn't say that, but I believe that you could definitely, you know, kind of put that in there. Slander others. They will have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will kind of dislike what is good. Now, it says in the end times, people will absolutely hate what is good. And we see that Isaiah prophesied that he said, woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. And I'm telling you right now, 2023, the things that the Bible says are good. The people in this world are like, that's not good. That's bad. And then the things that the Bible says is bad. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not bad. That's really good. Well, who do I listen to? The one that's been keeping the same word for thousands of years or somebody that just made something up five minutes ago. I'm going to stick with the Bible because it's never steered me wrong in my entire life. Is anybody with me on that one today? At least on that point. Amen. Uh, verse four, they will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. I know a lot of people that they'd rather, they would rather just go do what gives them, you know, the jollies, whatever gives them the feels, give them, they'd rather go have a little fun. They love it more than they love God himself. Oh, here we go. Verse five, they will act religious but they will reject the power that could actually make them godly. And what's Paul's instruction after all that? Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. And I mean, that sounds kind of harsh because there's so many people like that. But Paul said, no, no, no. You do not want to get mixed in with people like that. And so getting back to the point of thankfulness here, isn't it crazy that tucked right into the middle of that long passage of all these different things that they list ungratefulness and unthankfulness on the same level as slandering, unholiness, pride, he puts unthankfulness right in the same level as all of these different things. And I'm like, that just doesn't even fit in there. But hey, my opinion doesn't matter. The Bible's opinion matters. And what it said right there is these things, unthankfulness is just as dangerous and bad as all of those other things in that list. And I'm like, oh my goodness, because sometimes it's easy for me and for you to say, well, yeah, I, I mean, sure. You need to stay away from slanderers, from reckless people. Uh, you stay away from them. But if you're an unthankful person, God's telling us to stay away from you. I said it. <laughs> Listen, Yes, you stay away from people like that. Why? Because who you begin to hang around with, who you associate with, that is who you start to become. Bad company corrupts good character. If I am got good motives and everything, but I consistently hang out with people that are unthankful, they complain, they never are content. Trust me, that'll begin to rub off on you and you'll start complaining all the time. You'll start looking for the bad in life at every possible turn and you will always find it. And then there's other people that are always looking for the good and they seem to always find it. You know, the apostle Paul said a little bit of yeast will spread to the whole lump of dough. What does that mean? All it takes is a little bit to infect the whole thing, right? 
You know, you could take a, a, a clear cup of water up here and, you know, you've got maybe a whole gallon of water. I could put one drop of food coloring in, one drop, and it'll affect and change the whole gallon of water. It is so important who you associate with and who you hang out with because it'll begin to spread and it'll change you to somebody that you don't want to be. And, 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 and unthankfulness, it kind of starts leading into all of these other things that Paul listed. And as you're, you are told to stay away from people like that. You know, a few years ago, uh, uh, you know, you could look this up. I'm not going to name names because I'm not like that. I'm not a slanderer. But this actress, she won an Emmy Award. And, and I'm talking about people that are unthankful. They consider nothing sacred. Here was part of her acceptance speech. I'll only say the parts that I can say at church. Actually, I, I talk the same at church that I do anywhere else. So, but, but here was part of her acceptance speech. She said, a lot of people come up here and thank Jesus for this award. I want you to know that nobody had less to do with this award than Jesus did. And then she said, holding up her statue, well, here's part that I can't say, but she said, Jesus, you can. And then she said, this award is my God now. And then people were like, stay away from people like that. Don't go near people like that. And as extreme as that sounds, unholy, reckless, considering nothing sacred, that's awful. Jesus said, stay away from ungrateful and unthankful people. You don't need to have anything to do with people like that. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to be one of the people that you're warning other Christians to stay away from. I want to give thanks. I want to be thankful. I want to be holy. I want to be who you have called me to be. And so someone may say, well, we're overreacting to all this stuff right here. But the scripture makes a very big deal out of giving thanks. I'm going to tell you that right now. This week, I counted 18 times. It was 18 times in the book of Psalms that you are commanded to give thanks. Repeatedly, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord again and again. And it's not a suggestion. It's not David saying, I'm thankful, God. It's David saying, you give thanks unto the Lord. It's a command for us to do. It is so important. And the Bible makes a really, really big deal out of the words that come out of our mouth. Do you know that? That the Bible repeatedly warns us about the words that come out of our mouth. And so this is on your outline there. But people that don't control their mouths well usually don't use their words for thankfulness. I mean, you can speak for your life. Just me personally. I don't know anybody that has a foul mouth. That is a very thankful person as well. You know, beep, 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 beep. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Your tender mercies, Lord, never end. They never cease. You little beep, beep. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, maybe you know people like that. I don't know anybody like that. That's crazy. And the book of James says that out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And he didn't say good job. He said, my brothers, these things ought not so to be. He, James said, look up James three out of the same mouth. He said, uh, in one moment, this mouth is praising God. And then the next moment it is cursing people that are made in the image of God. Oh, Lord, you are beautiful, but you over here, you're ugly. 
That doesn't make any sense because that person was made in the image of God. When you're insulting them and calling them names and making fun of how they look, you're making fun of God because that's how he looks. Well, I don't believe that. Look it up, Genesis. <laughs> you are made in the image of God. Amen. Hey, I heard a story about a young man named John. Uh, he received a parrot as a gift, but this parrot had already been trained by its previous owner. It had a really bad attitude and an even worse vocabulary. And so every word out of this bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. And so John tried again and again to change the bird's vocabulary. He he spoke nicely to it. He, he played soft music. He tried to retrain it, but the bird just had a foul attitude. That's an extra joke, Jose. Write that down. Okay. So it had a foul attitude and, and it was just full of, I mean, just, just nasty. And so finally John got so mad at the bird. They got into an argument. He grabbed the bird, put it into the freezer and slammed the door. And he heard some kicking and screaming and everything. And after a while, he heard total silence. And he's like, oh my gosh, I, I shouldn't have done that. And so he goes and he lets the bird out of the freezer and he, and he picks the bird up and the bird has a whole new attitude. He's like, I sincerely apologize for my previous words. That was uncalled for. It was rude. I should not have done that. It will never happen again. And John was getting ready to ask the bird, well, why the change of attitude? But then the bird spoke up and said, please forgive me. And can I ask a question? By the way, what happened to that turkey in there? What did he do to you? (laughs) Amen. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Unfortunately, as silly as it sounds, sometimes we need a good shaking up to bring us back to reality. Have you ever, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that somebody did this to you, but you ever just been so out of line that you kind of need a little smack in the face to bring yourself back to reality? Well, sometimes we're sitting here in the United States with our first world problems, eating, you know, our, we've got 500 million different options of entertainment to choose from. We've got every type of food imaginable to eat. We're sitting in a warm house with a soft bed and a soft pillow, and we're sitting there. Yeah, but I don't have the biggest truck. <laughs> I don't have the biggest. I don't have the newest. And I just, I can imagine God being like... Wake up. You've got it so good, brother. You've got no reason in the world to sit there and complain. I'm just telling you that this morning. Amen. So number two is this. Number two, the majority, not everybody, but honestly, the majority of people seem to not actually be thankful. The majority of people are not really thankful. At at least if we could go by a Bible example, statistically speaking. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. And you know that we always use this passage at Thanksgiving. It's a really, really good passage uh, for this time of year. But Luke chapter 17, amen. Who in here today, you want to say, I want to be a thankful person. Amen. You, just cause everybody else is doing it, that doesn't mean it's right. And, and just cause everybody else may be acting, you know, like spoiled, ungrateful little children, that doesn't mean that I need to act like that. And so Luke chapter 17, we've got, uh, again, we use this story every year at Thanksgiving, but it's so appropriate for what we're doing. So Luke 17, we're going to pick up at verse 11. 
And so it says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. That's a pretty good deal right there, because I'm telling you, leprosy is a nasty disease. It it will rot the skin right off the bone. These guys were probably in super bad shape and just coming to Jesus. He says, go, amen, go. And as they went, hallelujah, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15, one of them, can you say one of them? When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, wait a minute, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. The King James says, your faith has made you whole. Now this is a sad story and a happy story all mixed into one. It's great that 10 people get healed of a horrendous, potentially fatal disease. That's really good news that the disease was stopped in its tracks. It's super sad that only one person came back to give thanks to God. And I've seen that. I've grown up in church. I've, you know, I, I mean, I've seen it my whole life. Somebody comes into the house of God. Somebody calls on the name of the Lord and Jesus radically changes their lives. He heals them of a disease. He restores their marriage. He does a miracle for them. And they're like, oh, sweet. Just take off out the door, go on about their business. And you know, we would think, yeah, he's Jesus. I mean, what, what, what does he care? Well, the story of the 10 lepers gives us two easy takeaways, two easy lessons. One is this, is that most people are not actually thankful. In this story, 90% that got a miracle didn't say thank you. I would like to believe that in 2023, more people are thankful than that. By a scope of the current society, I have a hard time believing that. And then another lesson we get out of this is that Jesus notices. Jesus notices who's thankful and who's not thankful. And you're like, well, yeah, he did back then. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he could spot unthankfulness 2,000 years ago, he can spot it right now. And we think that we can treat Jesus just any old way. And he won't ever take notice. Well, he'll always love us. We know that much. But I can at least say in this story, Jesus was keeping track of who was thankful for what he did in their life. And as a bonus, the one guy that came back, Jesus said, oh man, thank you. Your faith has made you whole. Now, if you want to get very technical, all right, the other guys, Jesus said, okay, you've been cleansed or, uh, or, uh, you know, okay, you've been healed. But Jesus uses a different word here for this guy. He says, your faith has made you 
whole. What does this mean? That the other guys, if, if they had already had part of their face, you know, I'm not being gross, but it's leprosy. Maybe part of their face had already come off. Maybe part of their nose was missing. Okay. Hey, the disease stopped in its tracks. No further damage, but what's done has already been done. This guy that gave thanks for that. He said, your faith has made you whole. He was made whole. He was restored. Everything that had been lost had been restored to him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Some of us, man, listen, at least the, you know, maybe the, the, the things that were happening have stopped. But wouldn't it be awesome in your life if the things that the enemy had already stolen, he had to pay you back. Amen. You know, and so the book of Proverbs says, hey, you catch the thief. He's got to pay you back seven fold for what he stole. And I'm telling you today that some of you, the devil has stolen some things and you just sat there and went along with it. But if you would get a hold of this, amen, if you would fight back in the name of Jesus, you're going to get what's coming to you in a good way. Hallelujah. A sevenfold return. Amen. And so thankful people seem to get extra blessings, but I know this much unthankful people are never satisfied. It's never good enough. Never. And, and I hate to say that, but I heard a story about these two old friends that saw each other on the street one day. One of the guys looked really sad and, and really down about things almost on the verge of tears. So his friend asked him, well, what has the world done to you, my friend, that, that you're this sad? The sad guy said, let, let me tell you what happened. Three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. Well, the happy friend was like, well, that's a, that's a lot of money. The sad guy said, no, 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 no. But you see, two weeks ago, a cousin that I never even met before died and left me $85,000 free and clear. And the guy's even getting closer to crying now. So the one guy says, well, it sounds to me like you've kind of been really fortunate. And then the, the sad guy says, no, you don't understand. Last week, I won a sweepstakes of nearly a quarter of a million dollars. And now he's crying. And the, and, and the happy friend is like, okay, I, I don't get why you're so sad here. Why are you so down? He's like, this week, nothing's happened. <laughs> The moral of the story is this. <laughs> Listen, this guy had already had more given to him than he probably deserved, that he ever even could have imagined. Just one of those other things would have been enough for most people to be very thankful. That guy was not thankful. He was like, hey, I need, I deserve something every week. He developed a sense of entitlement. And that is not how the people of God live their lives. We've received so many blessings and miracles. We need to be grateful. And sometimes the people that have received the most blessings and miracles that I've seen are some of the least grateful people. I've seen it. And so I'll tell you this. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back or a roof over your head and a place to lay your head tonight, you're already richer than a large percentage of the world's population. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and some spare change to spare, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. 
If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. If you can read the words on the screen, amen, that are up there today, you're more fortunate than the 781 million people in this world that cannot read at all. So I don't want to, I don't want to sit here. I'm sorry. I should be more compassionate. I don't want to listen to you cry while you tell me how Arby's screwed up your roast beef sandwich. I don't. That's not persecution. Okay. That's called living in this world. You know what I mean? So I, I, I love you. I want to pray about this, but just listen to me. I've been to some pretty, you know, not as many as my dad or some of you, but been to some different countries in this world. And most of that I've been to, uh, the worst places I've been to in the United States are better than the best places that I've been there. When we were in Nicaragua in 2017, I've shared this story, but we went to, uh, we, we went to different churches to minister and they told us up front, okay, this church we're going to is the worst one. It is right next to the community dump. Now, there's orphans here that there's not a home for them to live in. They literally live in the dump. And you'll probably, you know, there's children that sleep under the boxes and things in the dump. And, you know, we drove up there and, it was a dump. It was, you know, just a big mountain of trash and debris. And so anyway, on the way there, we wanted to bless the kids with something. And all I could, I went to, we went to the store. All I could find was, uh, they had a bag of the little plastic army soldiers. You know how, you know, we give our kids a bag of a thousand of them and they're like, okay, thanks. Where's the PlayStation? And so, you know, I, so, so I get this bag and I don't know, there's a, a hundred little one cent Plastic army soldiers. Man, we pull this bag out. I was swarmed by kids falling down. Please let me have one. Please, please, please. And so we'd give each kid a one cent, not a whole bag. They each got one. A one little green plastic army soldier. They were crying like it was Christmas morning. And I gave an American kid the latest Xbox and a new car. And they were just, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus, forgive me, Lord, for I, <laughs> I have not been thankful. My children have never been in this position. The children at my church have never been in this position. How dare me complain anymore about some of the dumb things that I've complained about when these kids, we just gave them probably the only gift they're going to get this year, or maybe beyond that. And it cost me a, a penny. Think about that. And so... Jesus seems to notice when people are thankful and unthankful. And so we're discussing thankfulness today. And, and of course, we would, I don't think we can fully talk about Thanksgiving without talking about the pilgrims. Amen. You know, they had the little buckle on their hat, those guys. And so uh, it's kind of a weird way to dress, but they did it back then. And so as we're discussing uh, the pilgrims and Thanksgiving, uh, I found out a few years ago, well, I knew it longer than that, but anyway, my 11th great-grandfather was a man named Francis Cook. He was born in 1583. That's a very long time ago. And so he came to America on the Mayflower in 1620, and he came because things were really bad where he lived. And they were bad in this regard. In England in the 1600s, it was, you know this, maybe you don't know this, it was illegal to go to any other church than the Church of England. In other words, you had to go to church where the government told you you had to go to church. 
That is not freedom of religion in any way. That is the government controlling religion and telling you where you can and cannot go to church. And so the Church of England was a kind of a break off of Catholicism. And many of the citizens didn't agree with a lot of those teachings. And they thought they should be allowed to worship God how they read it in the Bible and how, how they saw fit. Who's grateful today that you have a freedom of religion? Amen. Listen, if you came here and you don't like me or this church, hey, no one made you come here. <laughs> you chose to be here. I mean, hey, so uh, the government didn't say you will go to High Desert Word Center. That's the appointed church for you. No, there's a lot of great churches around here. Uh, so uh, so listen, these people, they got angry about it. And they went to Holland for a little bit where they could worship freely. But they were so poor there that they couldn't survive. So they come back and they decide, okay, we're going to try this new place out. Uh, they set sail for this new world over here. And there was a law in England that if you didn't attend church for 40 days, all right, if you went more than 40 days without attending church, you had to go to prison. Like, that's scary. There's a lot of people that are like members of this church that don't attend more than 40 days at a time. I'm like, I feel bad for you guys. I'm sorry, but you know, that, that, but it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't go to prison just because you don't go to church. Uh, so this was a really bad situation. So they made it over here, obviously. And on November 11th, 1620, they arrived in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, of course they landed at a place called Plymouth Rock. Now, listen, the first Thanksgiving, as we know it, was celebrated the next year in 1621 after the pilgrims were able to harvest their first crops in their new homes. So there was only about 50 pilgrims left out of more than 100 that came over here and 90 of the Wampanoag Indians. They celebrated and gave thanks to God for three whole days. This wasn't a one-day thing. They took three days to feast and to give thanks. And they dug more graves than they built houses that year. And you're looking on you like, what's there to be thankful for? I mean, you came over here, you lost your wives and children, y'all died, and you know, the rest of you are sick. And they're like, no, 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 no. We give thanks to God for what we do have. Amen. Amen. And so many people... I don't know why I feel down all the time. I don't know why I feel better. Maybe you focus more on what you don't have than what on you do have. And that'll screw you up. That'll give you a bad attitude and a really negative outlook on life. And so these guys, they uh, they feasted. They had turkey. They had some of these things that we eat today. And they celebrated. They ate and ate and ate for three solid days. They they celebrated, they sang, they did all these things. Uh, they, they watched the Dallas Cowboys lose the first ever Thanksgiving Day game. Let's go. Okay. I'm telling you, every year I will tell that joke. But, you know, in all seriousness, I saw something interesting. You know, I found out that of un, unchurched men, okay? Not not godly men like we have in this church, but unchurched men, unsaved men actually prefer to date girls that are fans of the Dallas Cowboys. It turns out they never expect a ring. Like, hey. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, they did it. Cletus, you know, all right. Hey, what does a Cowboys fan do after their team wins the Super Bowl? They turn their PlayStation off. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Amen. All right. Uh, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have done that. Okay. 
Amen. Amen. Thankful to give thanks, people. Give thanks. Where are we at? Where are we going? All right. So anyway, uh, thankfulness is it's a serious thing. And the Lord notices who's thankful and who's not thankful. And we do have a lot to be grateful for. Even if you do like a bad football team, it's okay. We have a lot to be grateful for. And the third thing I'm going to say today is this, is that thankfulness will open the door for God's blessing. Thankfulness will open the door for the blessing of God in our lives. And just as we mentioned earlier with the lepers, the one guy that came back was made completely whole and had everything restored. Jesus notices. And so should we give thanks to God just so he'll give us even more? No. God knows when we're being sincere or not. Uh, You've probably given a gift to somebody before that they didn't super like, and maybe they forced out a thank you. Well, that's better than nothing, obviously, but it's not very sincere. And God knows the difference. And I know this much. I mean, I'm a dad. I'm a father. You guys, most of your parents, you, you know what it's like when you do something for your kids and they're genuinely thankful. It makes me want to bless them even more when I do something nice for them and they're ungrateful. I'm like, fine. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to waste $20 on ice cream on you. It's fine. <laughs> Save my money. Go buy myself some. Uh, but uh, when, when there's sincere gratefulness and thankfulness, it wants the blesser. Amen. It gives the blesser more of a desire to bless you. And so many people, I've heard it said this way, so many people quit seeking the blesser. They just seek the blessings. And I can't serve God just because he gives me things. That's not a very solid reason. I can't deny that he gives me things. He's restored my life, restored my health. He's done so many good things. I get that. But that's not my motive for serving God. Like, yeah, I'll I'll serve you. What can you do for me? Let's cut a deal. I'll do something for you. You do something for me. That's a horrific way to approach your relationship with God. And so, again, we have to guard ourselves from this sense of entitlement because God's already given us more than we deserve. You know that, right? He, he already has. And I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. God owes me nothing else. He, uh, I can't say, hey, you owe me. Where's this at? He doesn't owe me nothing, man. Hey, if listen, the greatest thing that he did for me was he paid the price for my sins because I should have died for my own sins. I should have been the one hanging on a cross. But Jesus did it anyway. If that's all he ever did, that is 10 trillion times more than I deserve. But on top of that, he does continue to pour out blessings. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all else that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He He gives me promises of peace and protection and, and the joy of the Lord. And all of these are things that I simply do not deserve. He's already done more than I deserve. I want you to look at one final verse today. James chapter 1. Can we go to James chapter 1 today? And have we received anything from the word of God this morning? Amen. James chapter one, James chapter one. And we're going to just going to look here at verse 17. I'm going to read this one in the new King James, James chapter one and verse 17. We know that every good thing we have 
is by his grace. And we can never, ever forget that. James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. By God's grace, we are very, very blessed people. And we need to be thankful today that we don't have what we really deserve. What? I'm grateful that God doesn't give me what I deserve because what I deserve is a kick in the butt sometimes. What I deserve is a little smack. I'm grateful that he does give me what I don't deserve. And so this is on your outline. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve, heaven. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve, punishment. God's grace gives me things that I do not deserve. His mercy holds things off that I absolutely do deserve. And that's something that every single one of us is going to have to keep in mind. And so as we start to wind things down, who in here today knows that you may not have everything you want yet, but God's been really good to you? You know, I mean, let's be real. Hallelujah. Who can admit that God's been really, really good to you? I know. Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise. He's blocked things from attacking me that I'll never even know about until I get to heaven. And sometimes people are like, yeah, I hear this guy give this testimony and that person that. Well, I've never had that sort of miraculous thing like you probably have. God was just so good that he stopped it before it ever even got close to you. God's been that good to us today. And we'll never know the full story of it until we get to heaven. And that day's coming pretty soon. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we go ahead and stand up together this morning? Amen. Before we feast like the pilgrims did 402 years ago, uh, we're going to take a few minutes here this morning as we close things out to give God a little room to operate in our midst. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Listen, you've heard us talking about heaven quite a bit. You've, uh, you know, no doubt you see that there's some serious things going on in our world right now. If you've been, uh, you know, attending or, uh, I don't know, just listening to the news or anything at all for the last two months, you know that things are getting really serious, guys. And I, I continuously say this, that I'm not going to guarantee or promise that this is the big one and the rapture is going to take place next week. I'm not going to guarantee that it is. I'm also not going to guarantee that it's not. So many pieces of this puzzle have fallen into place and continue to do so by the day. It, it is, it's nearly mind blowing if you look at it. And so this is a very important time that we're living for the Lord. I would not risk heaven for anything in this world. I've, I've lived a good life. I've enjoyed a lot of great things, but there's nothing I've experienced here that is worth risking heaven over for the next five trillion zillion eternal years. Nothing. And so 
Every service we do this, but I want to give you the opportunity today to get things right in your heart with God. And you may say, yeah, I got baptized when I was three years old. I like, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, one day I I said a prayer back in vacation Bible school when I was nine and uh, listen, listen, we have to have things right in our heart with God. We know that he would never let go of us. But we know this much. Some people do let go of him. And that is a possibility. You know, the book of Revelation shows us uh, several places where, uh, well, well, for instance, he promises. I was just reading this to my kids yesterday. You know, people are like, well, what do you read to your kids when it's Bible time? Sometimes I like to read stories like Noah's Ark. Yesterday morning, we read about Judgment Day. <laughs> and the kids' eyes were like, oh, my gosh. What kind of man are you? Well, I don't believe in just reading the parts of the Bible that give me the warm and fuzzies. I want my kids to know the whole Bible. And so they know Noah's Ark. They know about the goodness of God. And they know that there's a day called Judgment Day that most people don't want to acknowledge. But it's a very real thing. And so uh, the, the, the book of Revelation starts to describe that we stand before God. And he opens up these books before us. And he starts going through the activity of our life. And, and, and he goes through there and some people's names, listen, the revelation tells some people's names. He says, if you'll stick with me, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. Well, that apparently means that some people turn on Jesus and their name gets erased. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be that person. But it tells us that anybody's name that is not written in the book does not get to go. Well, man, how do I get my name in that book? I'll tell you how you believe in your heart. And you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I'm not making this up. And then you'll be saved. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. The, I mean, uh, the risk is just too much for me to ignore this. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer today. And this is your chance. If, if you're just, if you feel like I don't, I just don't think I'm there. This is your chance. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off until after the holidays when I can think about that. No, now make a decision for Jesus today. I want to lead us in a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And we're going to say this prayer together. Can you say, Father in Jesus name? I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him some praise today. Okay, listen, uh, Jose, Jose's going to come on up here. This is Jose, everybody. And if you're here and you said that prayer today, all right, and you're like, and you meant it, all right, you weren't just blowing smoke here, you meant this thing. The best thing that I could possibly do for you is give you the chance 
to get started on the right track with God. We have a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer. There's currently about 30 people in this program at the moment. And so if you have given your life to the Lord today or come back to him, I want you to come see Jose. What he'll do is he will pair you up with somebody else from church here. They're going to text you some Bible verses and prayers every day, a devotion uh, that you're going to be able to read. You can talk to them. You can ask questions and we will do everything that we can do to help you stick with Jesus. We can't force you to, but we can give every possible chance we can. And so again, there's a lot of people doing this right now and they're very smart people. It's very foolish to think that, uh, (laughs) that you can do this on your own. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And so I'm going to have my prayer team come on up today. The altar space is very, very limited. But if you want prayer, I want you to come up right away for anything. If you want to go through the spiritual personal trainer program, 30 days of mentorship, mainly via text message, come see Jose. He'll get your information. We'll pair you up with somebody. I've asked Pastor Josh. We don't do a lot of hymns around here, as you know. Uh, I love hymns. That's what I listen to in my personal worship time. Um, but anyway, I've asked Pastor Josh to lead us in one of the most well-known hymns of all time. Uh, very famous, written in um, the late 1600s. It's called the Doxology, and I'm, gonna, I'm asking him to lead us in that today because it's a moment for us to give thanks. Come up and get prayer if you need prayer. If you don't need prayer, it would not hurt you at all to worship God for a few minutes. The food will still be there in five minutes, I swear. Give God five more minutes today. Can we do that this morning? Amen. This belongs to Jesus. Let's go. Um, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, praise Him, all creatures here below. Um, praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. From God the Father, God the Son, in God the Spirit, three in one, be honor, praise, and glory given by all on earth and all in heaven. God all honor to God all praise to God all glory forever more amen 
praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And to God all honor, to God all praise, and to God all glory forevermore. Here below. 
cross I praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost And to God all honor And to God all praise And to God all glory sticking with us this morning. 
We're going to go ahead and start winding this portion of the service down today. Um, so we're going to give some instructions on the food here. Um, a couple of things is this. Uh, parents, you can go ahead as soon as we dismiss. Go get your kids from wherever that they're at, and we'll get them back in here. We also like to uh, respect our elders around here. And so uh, we'd like to let it, you know, if somebody that... I want to say this the most correct. If you are seasoned in life, if you, if you, uh, you're, you're very experienced, um, and you've got the gray hair to show it. I, I'm getting worse. This is getting worse. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> All of you who are our grandma and grandpas, cause this is family Thanksgiving. We let our grandma and grandpas go first. Okay. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think? Okay. Cause he was busy knocking the cowboys. Anyway, we love you, Pastor Dave. <laughs> All right. Okay, Let me please, say something else. Real quick. No, go do that. Please, then grandparents, go first. And please make sure, parents, that you pick up your kids first and that you walk with them through the line. And those of you who don't like long lines, listen, it's a big family Thanksgiving. You got a big it's family. It's a little tight around here. You're going to rub elbows with people, and it's going to be a line. Praise God. Amen. Meet somebody else. It's the, fine. The more the merrier. Stick yeah. through the line. Amen. Okay? It'll be good. Amen. And so... Yeah, and so um, when we when you get up there, okay, go both sides of the table. All right, I'm telling you now. Well, we got about 300 people here today. I just saw that report, and so it's going to take a minute to get through the line. Let's try to do this as efficiently as we can. And so, you know, we're not rushing you, but uh, you know, go fast. So let's get your food, and then uh, and and you know, just do it as efficiently and quickly as you can. That way, everybody can get through. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to my kids. Don't get seconds until everybody else has at least got their first round. You know. And don't pile your plate like a crazy person. It Amen. is not a China buffet. Yeah. Anyway, you know, just honor people. You know, yeah, there you go. Be love respectful. God, love others. It's your two commandments from Jesus. Amen. Your last commandment from Brother Robert, our head usher, is the brown chairs back here. If you are going to sit at these round tables on this side, could you help us out and take a brown chair there without damaging other people? <laughs> yeah. I know it's super tight, but... We, in the new year, at some point, we're going to be buying chairs, okay? So we're out of chairs today, and if you could help us, if you're going to sit at these round tables to bring a chair, that would be a blessing as well. Amen. All right, we're going to pray over the food, then we're going to do our Barstow Faith Confession. Parents, get your kids. Grandparents, go get in line. Amen. And then uh, we're just going to have a great time. Please stick around for this. It's like my favorite day of the year other than Christmas Eve. Okay. So let's pray. Barstow Faith Confession. And then we'll do what we got to do. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, so much for uh, just the word of God today, Lord, and that we can thank you for your holy written word. What a gift that is to us. And Lord, I pray that we will truly examine our hearts today and that we will be thankful for everything that you've done in our lives, Lord. You are so, so good to us, Jesus. And Lord, I pray today that uh, you will bless this food, Lord. May it nourish our bodies. And we thank you, Lord, that we're going to have a good time loving each other each other, uh, giving thanks together, celebrating together. We love you, Jesus. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, Barstow Faith Confession, and then you can go. Let's do this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. 
Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.